Welcome to podcast number two of PaleoCon, Paleoconservative on Steroids. This is your host, Corncod1. We're going to be looking at a lot of uh, foreign stuff today, but we'll, uh, we'll also look at uh, at least one or two uh, domestic issues. Um, interesting news from Bulgaria. The Bulgarian Prime Minister, uh, Boyko Borisov, who's uh, sort of center-right, but he, uh, he's uh, running the country on a coalition with more far-right for, uh, uh, organizations. As of yesterday, Borisov has closed the Bulgarian border completely to migrants. And this is an upshot of all the confusion and misunderstanding um, created by the queen of confusion and misunderstanding, uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, who who likes to who likes to throw meetings, and then at the end of the, with uh, European heads of state, and at the end of the meeting, she trumpets the fact that everyone is in agreement when everyone is not necessarily in agreement. So the situation now in Europe is extremely confused, which in a lot of ways is a good thing. Because nationalists can uh, take advantage of the take advantage of the chaos and have their own countries take action on uh, migrant and immigration issues without direction from the European Union. So these idiotic Brussels bureaucrats and the crazed Angela Merkel are uh, are in a state of disarray. And because of that, uh, <coughs> pardon, pardon my sneeze. Um, and because of that, you know they're they're free to take action. You know, like uh, um, Deputy Prime Minister uh, Salvini in Italy, uh, not not even taking a, Italian flag vessels in the last couple of days that are filled with migrants. So, uh, but you know. It, the, the good news from Bulgaria, you know, is kind of not unexpected because it had gotten to the point in Bulgaria where people were actually forming volunteer organizations. They dressed up in camouflage uniforms, you know, and they had patches on them with snarling wolves. <laughs> and they weren't armed with guns, but they went out with knives and hatchets and staves and other such improvised weaponry to patrol to patrol their own country's border because their country was still playing ball with the EU uh, migrant system. But they wanted to, the the people of Bulgaria wanted to make sure that their country wasn't turning into a third world hellhole. And you know, I really, really commend the efforts of the individual people of Bulgaria. But it looks like now the government's on the, finally on the same page as the people, and the migrants into Bulgaria will stop, which is really, really good news. You know, on a more somber tone for our next little story here, um, you know, for the last year or so, I've been thinking about all the wonderful people who in... Uh, in countries like Argentina and Chile, um, most of the military officers, who many of them for 
well over a decade, uh, veterans of the dirty war against communism in, in the late in the uh, late seventies and early eighties, who had to do some hard things uh, to prevent their countries from full, to, from turning into communist hellholes. Uh, you know, they're rotting away in prison. In uh, Argentina, the number is, is, according to my estimation, which may, which may be low or high based on media reports, but, the, you know, there's, there's like a hundred military officers who, uh, who are basically rotting in prison right now. And I think, you know, it's a shame we don't, we don't remember them. And, and it's a very, very similar thing in, in Chile, where, you know, a lot of officers of the uh, uh, supporters of uh, the late General Pinochet, you know, have been, thr- have been thrown into prison for preventing their countries from, from going communist. You know, which is really, really insane. You know, they should be given medals and parades. They shouldn't be rotting away in prison for, uh, you know, throwing throwing a couple of reds out of helicopters. Big deal. Um, but um, I, I I feel a strong need to 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 ask our uh, our listenership to to pray for those brave men. In, in Chile and Argentina, who had to make the hard decisions in the 70s and 80s and, and, and fight communism. So let me, uh, let me read a few of these names and, and please, please pray for them. Uh, Mario Arez, Alejandro de Augustino, uh, Alfredo Aztiz, uh, Jorge Acosta, and hundreds of others in Argentina and Chile. Uh, we ask you to remember in your prayers uh, Victor Yara, uh, Ramon Jorquebna, and Edgar Jones, and also you know other army officers and military officers in Chile who you know ha- made made the hard decisions in fighting fighting against communism. Uh, so please pray for these people. And they're suffering. They're you know they're suffering for, for the love of their country, and also for their love of humanity. You know, most of these guys are most of these guys are uh, you know very religious Catholics, and you know, and no one's really mentioning mentioning the fact that they have to suffer in prison. So we we ask that we ask that you keep all the all the South American dirty war veterans. Uh, in your prayers. Speaking of South America, on a more positive and happy note, things seem to be going swimmingly in Brazil. Uh, July second, the last, the last big poll, because uh, Brazil is going to have its presidential election in October. But the. Uh, the most recent poll taken on July 2nd shows uh, Jair Bolsonaro uh, ahead, well ahead of all the other folks running, with 23% of the vote. His nearest competitor, Marina Silva, you know, center-left idiot, uh, earning uh, 
So uh, Bolsonaro is doing very well. Um, you know, for folks who haven't been following the situation in Brazil, um, Bolsonaro, you know, is con- considered the Donald Trump of, of Brazil. And in fact, there are all sorts of rumors I hear that Bolsonaro calls Trump once a week and they're like really, really good friends. And he's, he has a big outsized personality. And basically, you know, he wants to really, really get rid of the drug gangs and other criminal elements in the favelas in uh, in Brazil. So when he gets in, if if he gets into office, God willing, he's going to go in those he's going to go in those slums and he's going to clean out those drug gangs because people in Brazil are getting sick and tired of crime. The crime is just, you know, out of control. <laughs> and, you know, if you, you can, you can go on YouTube and I have literally sat for hours looking at films of all sorts of crazy assaults and crimes by Brazilian criminals. You know, so something really, really needs to be done and Bolsonaro seems to be the man. You know, in some ways, he's a little bit more like a, a sort of more mentally stable version of Rodrigo Duterte in the Philippines, uh, where he's just going to go in there and clean things up, you know, by hook or by crook, and he's not going to be, he's not going to be overly uh, uh, fixated on, uh, on, you know, judicial legalism to clean things up in Brazil. Another very, very interesting thing about the Jair Bolsonaro uh, effect is that uh, he is extremely high youth support. And once again, you know, that's the future. And so Bolsonaro is really, really part of the, the worldwide uh, nationalist, you know, post, post-liberal democracy movement, you know, so he's, and so, yeah, in some ways a lot like, uh, you know, like I said, Duterte and Victor Orban, and so, yeah, it looks like in a lot of ways in, in South America, uh, civilization is coming back to South America, the prospect of millions of people literally starving to death in Venezuela, I think has sort of wakened up a lot of people. I mean, even in the Colombian elections of uh, about a month ago, where uh, they uh, the people put into power uh, a right winger by the name of Duque, you know, who's pretty much a hardliner. He's a hardliner against the communist FARC guerrillas in, in the jungles, but he's also, you know, a hardliner in that you know he's not gonna he's not gonna have a socialistic government. You know, the people of Colombia have, you know, been given a great object lesson because they have a million Venezuelan refugees sitting in, sitting in their country now because of the terrible conditions brought about by the extreme left-wing sort of Castroite uh, semi-communist regime in Caracas. And so, you know, in the old days, 
in Latin America. The system was is you'd, you'd have a democratic government. It would go far left. You know, they'd spend money, you know, like, uh, like nobody's business, and they'd waste it all and blow it all in corruption. And then, you know, every few years, they'd be a military coup, and the adults would take over for a while. And then they then they then they'd go back to democracy and uh, and once again they you know they they'd be this pattern, but because of mainly because I think of the United States you know insisting that every everyone have a you know a liberal democracy on the uh, on the pattern of the United States uh, and insisting that there be no no military governments uh, things in things in South and Central America you know, have, have turned pretty bad because you've had, basically, you've had socialist governments there in most of those countries now for 30 years. Socialist governments of one kind or another and things are getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And so there was bound to be some sort of reaction or uh, blowback from that. And uh, Mr. Bolsonaro, an ex-military officer, you know, really seems to be the man to uh, straighten out uh, Brazil. You know, he's been uh, he's he's been like darn near twenty years in the. Uh, <coughs> oh, pardon me for the sneeze there. He's been nearly twenty years, you know, in the in the Chamber of Deputies as a legislator. So he has considerable political experience. His considerable military experience. His the party that he's running with is you know technically kind of centrist, but uh, you know he's he's a right wing figure and the and the people of Brazil I think are finally waking up to what's going on and, and gee we wish him the best In, on future podcasts uh, I'll uh, I'll make sure that you that we follow the uh, Brazilian story. Going back to the United States, you know, I won't, I won't give you a detailed rundown on Trump's pick of Brett Kavanaugh, uh, for, uh, to replace, to replace Justice Kennedy on the U.S. Supreme Court. But I am, I am happy that, because uh, there were a couple of, uh, candidates for the job that Trump was considering, but they were open borders idiots. So, you know, who needs people like that? Uh, you know, once again, and I've said this, I've said this many times in many other forums and, uh, and other areas, you know, you know, there are three main political, uh, issues in the United States. Immigration, immigration, and immigration. It, winning on the immigration issue is, to me, completely connected with national survival. If America becomes and is com almost completely settled, almost completely settled, pardon the uh, interruption, uh, by... Uh, you know, by these barbarians from the South, then our country's finished. Our country's finished. You know, it'll it'll become a third world hell. It'll be a place not worth living in. 
You know, you want to live in you want to live in some place like Brazil. You know, granted they've got good music, but they really don't have anything else. You know, they've got the bossa nova, but uh, poor Brazil really doesn't have anything else right now. It's just a pathetic country, and that's what's going to happen to the United States. Our economy is going to go down. We're going to get the endemic corruption that comes from Latin countries. You know, sad to say. Um. You know, I'm not disparaging them as as a, as people, but you know, who want who who wants who wants to live in Brazil, frankly, right? Um, so I'm very happy to hear that uh, that uh, Judge Kavanaugh has been given the uh, good housekeeping seal of approval by none other than Ann Coulter who's brought, brought out the fact that uh, he's ruled the right way on several immigration cases. So uh, if it's good for Queen Anne, it's fine with me because she has good judgment on these matters. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the details of his career and the politics involved. The Democrats are going to mount some sort of massive resistance program. So let, let let's pray that the normally spineless leaders uh in uh in the US Senate show a little uh, testicular fortitude and uh and push this nomination through let's control the supreme court because uh you know there's, this, there's there is the possibility you know god forbid but there is the possibility that uh that the neo marxist democratic party will control uh, the House of Representatives in the midterm election. The possibility is there. You know, it's, it's reflected in the numbers. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen. A lot can happen between now and November. And the trend has been pretty good. It's been going in our, going in our direction. But, uh, yeah, let's get, uh, let's get Judge Kavanaugh in there. Um, so, uh, you know, we can live in a tolerable country. Sort of get into the metapolitical for a moment as part of my final uh, part of my broadcast here. Um, you know, we're at a point where President Trump and other and other populist nationalists in the United States, you know, we have to do hard things. We have to separate children from their parents. We have to uh, throw illegal aliens out of the military and disappoint their families and deport people. And, you know, everyone has a sob story, apparently. And the liberal media are, uh, are trumpeting up these sob stories so they can get the American people to chicken out in their determination to even do something as simple as throwing illegal aliens out of the United States. I don't know why that's such a hard thing for so many people. They're not, they're not here legally. They should go home. I mean, I prefer that, you know, if it was up to me, we just throw them all out. You know, that Trump... Trump's originally original idea of getting a uh, an internal border force in the United States, much 
much, much bigger than ICE. And I'd like to throw out 11 million people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the wages for working class, how, how the wages for working class people would be in the United States if we threw out 11 million illegal Mexicans and Latin Americans? Can you imagine how salaries would go up? Because that's what's been happening for the last, I don't know, 70 years. We've had these, we've had constant, we've been swamped with these people. You know, at the very least since the 1964 Immigration Act, we've been swamped by these people. And all they do is keep the wages low. So we've had a situation where there have been very few years since 1964 when the wages wages have gone up. Because these people are a drag on wages. And so that's why every, you know, why so many people in the United States are earning peanuts. So, you know, if you don't want to deport illegals, at the very least, then you're an enemy of the American working class. You want to destroy the American working class. You want to stomp on the American working class. And, hey, quite frankly, although it's not my first interest or inclination, I say, if you want to import more illegals into the United States, and you don't want to kick out the ones in here, you're the person that really hates black people. You know, I'm no political ally of the blacks, believe me. They're part of the neo-Marxist coalition in the United States. But, you know, they keep the wages down for blacks, too. And they keep the wages down for uh, for Hispanics, who happen to be here legally. And like I said, these, these are not major considerations for me. My, my loyalty is to the white working class. But... Um, you know, we have to do hard, we have to do hard things. And gee, why do we have to do hard things to save our country from turning into a third world hellhole? We have to do hard things because for years and years and years, the whole issue was neglected. And who do we, who do we have to blame? Well, of course, you know, our, the neo-Marxist Democratic Party in the United States, because they're, they're a bunch of malicious scoundrels. But we also have to we also have to blame the business wing of the Republican Party, the establishment uh, New World Order business wing, who who care more about profits than about how how the how the people of America live. You know they're the lowest. You know the, 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 they really are the lowest in so many ways because the leftists are in the throes of a kind of mental illness brought about by ideological thinking. But you know. These uh, these ruthless businessmen and these idiots on the Wall Street Journal who for years have been saying, "Oh, America, we shall have open borders." You know that's their that's their that's their official editorial policy. Well, thanks a lot, you capitalist scoundrels. Um, so, you know, we have to do hard things now. We have to do things that you know don't necessarily bring bring us pleasure. But you know what? We have to do them. Or our civilization is kaput. You want to live in Brazil? My, my suggestion is, since Democrats seem so intent on living in a third world hell, why don't you move to Mexico? Why don't you move, move to Brazil? I'm sure they'd be happy to have you. Or maybe not. You know? 
you want to live, if you want to live in a Brazilian slum, which is what, you know, what you want to turn America into, why don't you move there? Why don't you move there? You love it so much. You wouldn't have to do all this aggravating political activism. You could just, you could just move to the slums in Rio and you could be with the, you could be with the people and the culture you love so much. Go move there. Well, I'll bring this short episode to a close. This is Corn Cod One for Paleo Conservative on Steroids.